welcome back, X's and T podcast fans. It is Danny here. I'm really excited to be here as always. I have a guest that I've had on before, and I'm really excited that she's coming back to talk to us. So I got to give my quick disclaimers. Uh, we're going to be talking about Worldwide and Amway. And let me tell you guys, I don't like these organizations. If you're new here, hi, I have beef with them. And I say that because so many people now, if you're new here, you need to go scroll through because there are story after story after story about why these organizations are not good. That being said, I'm not here to defame them. You know, if you're an adult, go join Worldwide, go join Amway, like do your thing. I would encourage you to listen to somebody's stories ahead of time because you might have a different perspective. Maybe just proceed with caution. All of the names have been changed of anybody that we're going to be talking about today. And don't sue me. You know, I can't say that enough. So you guys, I'm really excited. I have Nandi back with us. If you guys don't remember Nandi, she had a hell of a story. And let me tell you, she's not done. So Nandi, welcome back. Thank you. How's your healing journey going? I know for you, it was very, very fresh, especially when we had first spoken. And now it's like a couple months at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, it has been a couple months since we recorded. Yeah, I've started a new chapter of healing. When I talked to you, I was still in the living situation with my ex, not officially diagnosing um, him as a narcissist. But I mean, all of his behaviors and traits add up to that. And that's what I experienced was narcissistic abuse. So I was still in the shared living situation um, with him. And honestly, in survival mode, and just trying to cope and function and now I am in my own new home, my new apartment. Um, I'm in a place where I can begin healing again for real. And some of those wounds, not some of them, all of them are opening up uh, again in a less detrimental way. Like I'm not going through uh, daily panic attacks and crying every five minutes and rapid weight loss and no appetite and all that stuff. Like I'm functioning. I'm pretty, pretty healthy and doing a lot better in physical health wise, but like all of those the wounds that I kind of just put like a temporary band-aid on just to get out of that situation and survive that um, they're open and I am kind of searching for the things that I need to do to fully heal from this and I know it could take years or a lifetime because it's not just like a standard breakup where someone hurts you and you get closure and you heal and you move on it's it's trauma on trauma, on trauma. I had a narcissistic spouse. I got out of a cult. My self-image and my identity was under attack daily for four years. So it's very, very different than just a normal breakup. And I'm going to claim PTSD, but um, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm on the journey. That's all I can say about the healing journey is that I'm on it. But that's awesome. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And I think that, and we talked about this before, where you're, the intricacies of this healing journey are so different. Mm -hmm. um, and it's different for everybody who leaves this type of situation. But with you, it's like you're you're leaving this this cult that had kind of a hold over you for so long, and you are leaving the people that you thought were going to be your best friends and your your spouse, like. It's so much at once. Um, so, and of course, I'm not a professional here, but I would definitely agree that, you know, you probably do have some sort of PTSD from this. And clearly on that note, y'all, you know, I'm going to say this, that when we talk about narcissism here, it's because we've done our research and we know what this word means. We don't throw this word around lightly. Um, I think a lot of the times we're even afraid to say that we've had a narcissistic partner or parent or somebody else because 
you know, it's a scary thing to admit out loud. Um, narcissism is not just tied to a personality disorder. It can be something as far as I'm aware from what I've read and from what I learned in therapy that it, you can just be born with this trait. It doesn't necessarily mean you have narcissistic personality disorder. So I just want to say that I'm not a professional, but we are allowed to say these things because we're survivors. And I would imagine that, you know, you would understand that as survivors, we want to speak on that. So had to say that out loud. But I am really glad that you're here to come and digest and process. What brings you back with us today? Um, I definitely just, I mean, I love the, and appreciate the work that you continue to do. I've listened to every episode that you uh, published since mine came out. And honestly, the stories just get wilder and wilder. And it's like so sad. Like I, I laugh at some of the retellings and also like my my stomach and my heart just dropped listening to them because I'm like damn I had it bad but also some people had it worse but also we all had it really really fucking bad um yeah <laughs> so yeah I just I wanted to give updates maybe kind of give an insight to what like the journey of a survivor and a worldwide escapee um looks like and also yeah so give you life updates and then just kind of give more insight into what it was like when I was in there so partly worldwide partly a narcissistic marriage and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're absolutely right. Some of the people who we've had on are so funny. I know Jada specifically. She is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like I remember talking to her and I just like laughed so much. Like I had to mute myself and I had to edit out a lot of laughing. She is hilarious. <laughs> She's awesome. Uh, so it's October, you guys. Hi, October. And uh, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. If you guys were not aware, October is Domestic Violence and Intimate Partner Violence Awareness Month. Purple Ribbon is symbolic to domestic violence and intimate partner violence awareness. As we were kind of talking about that, you had a story in particular that really just was so relevant to this topic. So I'm going to go ahead and let you tell that story. It's just, it's not a pleasant story to tell. And it's not long, but yeah, it's just sad. Um, we had a partially registered downline. She was in depth of one of our downline and we were really excited. Like I was so excited to get to know her and be friends with her. She was so cool. She had worn so many different hats, been in so many different careers and was just like a badass woman. And she had a, um, I think a one-year-old son and she was so cool. Um, we had started the registration process with her and then somewhere in the midst of that, her life kind of erupted and uh, she shared with us that like her partner was violent, dangerous, abusive guy and that she was trying to get her and her baby away. Um, and she was scrambling to look for places to live and like just wanted to escape. And like, I was just like, when she came to us with that, I was like on it. Like, I'm like, no, like I, I'm a hundred percent in support of you. Like, cause there's so many women that don't get the chance to leave. They can't leave or they don't realize that they need to leave. And like, you're at the point where you're ready to leave. I'm here. Let me help you. Like I, I called everyone I knew that could help and give like send resources so we could get her where she needed to go to be safe. So um I even offered to go like to court um and like be a witness or just sit there as like emotional support for her and she's like no I don't need that I also don't want you to be targeted by him like I don't want him to show up and start like following you because he she knew that he was the type to like threaten her friends and stuff like if they knew that if he knew that she they were letting her stay with them or like helping her like he would send people to antagonize 
the people that were helping her. But um, this one morning, um, my ex and I were on the phone with her and we, I was like, we were listening and also advising, like she wanted to get on the road. She had a job, she had to get the baby. Um, she didn't want to go back in the apartment. Um, but that was where all of her cash was stored that she would need to survive and stuff. She was uh, a waitress, so all of her tips were in cash. We were just kind of like talking her through it. And she saw people that were like her partner had sent to her place of work, like kind of scoping and stalking the perimeter of her, her workplace, like kind of waiting for her so they could follow her and stuff. And I, knowing what I know, or what I knew, not that I'd been in that situation before, but from just from like being open, from listening to fellow women, to reading our, their stories, like talking, researching, like just being educated on this, on the topic and realizing the steps that need to happen to safely leave a situation like that. I was like, okay, you have somewhere to go, right? She's like, I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm like, okay, your car, before you get on the road, because she was going to leave from work, I was like, before you get on the road, go to a, a mechanic and have them check the car for trackers, have them check the tires, have them check the engine, because that's a thing, that's a common thing where the abuser will track your car, and then you did all this work to get far away, and they know exactly where you are, so it doesn't even matter. So I just told her that, like, I was trying to say that to her, because it's a very valid thing, and like precaution to take and then my ex is like sitting there like trying to silence me and shush me up mad and he's like muting the the phone and stuff and like having like side conversations he's like don't tell her that don't stop stop and then after we get off the phone I'm like why would you sit there and tell like what is your problem and he's like you're just dressing her up you're making her paranoid and panicked and stuff I'm like you have no right to speak whatsoever on the on she is a woman if something happens to her because she didn't go and get her car checked for trackers, like, because you didn't want to scare her, she's already scared. She's already in danger. Like, it doesn't, there's no point in not being smart about it. Like, how dare you silence a woman trying to help another woman get out of, get out of this situation? I was, like, furious. It was just, like, so offensive. Just so many levels of wrong and toxic that was an argument we argued about everything and then of course I it came up in a conversation with our upline later and I was like you really tried to like silence me when I'm trying to help someone get out of a domestic violence situation safely and then like they didn't really address that of course so the red flag would have been a red flag but we were already married and in in it at that point but I, I know that I started to be concerned that our just our values are just very different and not aligned because how how dare you like I, I just still I'm perplexed at that type of response like telling someone who probably has way more insight into a situation than you telling them to be quiet so you can gloss over the situation when it adds yeah. no value to the victim I think you handled this really well um it sounds like you put yourself almost in her shoes where she where you know what what needs to be done you did research you were giving her very valid advice because it's true i mean the most dangerous time in a domestic violence or intimate partner violence relationship is leaving in those moments it is horrifying it's scary and it's dangerous and i think that you had valid concerns for her that maybe she was in 
you know, so many different places in her mind that maybe she hadn't thought of that. So I think that's a very good piece of advice. And it really is disheartening to hear that at the time, who was your husband, this person that, you know, you're like you said, you would imagine that you guys had the same values is is quite literally telling you not to advise the best that you can. And, and really, I think what's great about how you handled it too, is you did your research. You weren't pretending to be this professional who was trying to, you know, fix a situation like that adds a whole level of just caring and compassion. Whereas a lot of other upline don't do that. The fact that even your upline was telling you guys and did not speak to how horrible it is that he tried to silence you by giving this woman advice who was desperately like telling you that she needs to leave the situation. She has a child. Her child's probably in danger too. It is scary. Um, was this person able to get away? Did they thankfully get away? I know she made it to like out of state to the place where she like her safe um, destination for a while and she had the baby with her but then she ultimately had to come back because of like some legal stuff like you like I think she was accused of like kidnapping a child she had to be remain in our state so it was a whole lot of drama back and forth and like court cases and stuff and basically she ended up having to give her son back to him while she fought for him and I was like that's so fucked up um yeah. and then it was like understandably with like her needing to work and trying to deal with all of that like we it faded and she never completed getting registered and stuff and like I was sad because I wanted to stay in touch and I wanted to be supportive and I did reach out several times over the course of like a year and she would respond sometimes and be like yeah let's meet up let's get lunch and stuff thank you for checking in she'd send me pictures of the baby and I just wanted like I genuinely cared about her but like it, we never got to like meet up or anything. And eventually like communication just stopped. So I'm hoping that she's okay. But there was always like before it fizzled out, like there was always like the the check-in, my ex and our upline, like, hey, she has a better rapport with you. She trusts you more. So you reach out and see what's what's up with the business. Like, is she gonna is she gonna register? Is she gonna show like I'm like, she's she's running from someone that's trying to hit her and steal her baby. I don't okay. <laughs> it's yeah. not really a priority right now. In what uh, way is paying six hundred dollars a month gonna help her? Um, yeah. Wow. But yeah, that was that was what they cared about was getting her onboarded. And I was just kind of sad because I was really looking forward to being friends with her. Like all that chaos aside. Um she was super cool. Wow. Well, I hope I hope she's okay too. But I think your heart was definitely in the right place. Them speaks volumes to the type of people these people are. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this kind of before we started recording. And, and I mentioned this in an episode that I released previously, but like reconnecting with old upline who are still involved in the business is very challenging mm -hmm. because we recognize that they're still very brainwashed, mm -hmm. but this is the type of stuff. Like, how can you ignore this? Like, and, and I understand they go out of their way to make sure that people don't listen to this kind of stuff. But I feel like the moment you hear a story like this, if that doesn't plant a seed of doubt, I think you're probably just as fucked up as they are, if I'm being but honest, because this is not specific to just this line of sponsorship. I wish I could say that it was, but it's not. This kind of stuff is happening in all of worldwide, in all of Brit worldwide, in all of URA, LTD, like yeah. all of these different organizations and, and different MLM cults, like this is what's going on. We're and not like, it's not in, and I hate seeing that because this situation is, is absolutely horrible. Like I wish I could say, yeah, this is probably the only like one time this has happened. And unfortunately it's not. And mm -hmm. it really hurts, especially as a survivor, like 
I recognize how I've been on both sides of it, where I've had a friend who, and this was after I left my situation, who was in their, in their violent partnership. And it's, it's really challenging because when they finally get to that spot of I'm going to leave, it's because something bad enough has happened. It's not an easy step to get to. You have to imagine all of the different things that have already taken place before somebody finally opens up their eyes and says, I need to get out of here. So to hear that somebody is like trying to almost discourage that is really fucked up, but it's not just the intimate partner, violent aspect of things. It's people who are trying to leave worldwide too. Like when, when we finally decide that we're going to leave, it's because something bad enough has happened that made us be like, okay, this is fucked up. I need to get out. I need to leave. And for some people it's easier than others. And it's really sad. But one thing that you had said was that you started to realize that you and your then husband had different values. How did that kind of transpire where you're starting to realize like, okay, we're not on the same page and then seeing how your upline handled it too. Yeah. I think like foundationally, there are things that we disagreed on, like how we would handle things or just worldviews and stuff that I figured, Hey, everyone's not like a, a marriage isn't going to be made with like cookie cutter, like duplicate, like we're not going to be twins. We're going to have different viewpoints and like, if, like we love each other enough, like it'll, it'll work, you know, it's fine. Just work around the differences and stuff. But like the important stuff we're on the same page about, I thought anyway, but like we, we just argued from before our legal marriage to the very end. It was just arguing with like a few sprinklings of good days here and there and thinking that things were getting better. There were a few months where it seemed like it was getting better and healing and stuff and becoming a better couple. And um, then uh, it all fell apart after um, his father passed away last Christmas. Upline poisoned his ear against me, but also... I don't know. I don't know how much to blame them for, to blame the cult for, or to blame narcissism for, but some wonderful blend of the two brought me to where I am. And like, honestly, I didn't even choose to leave worldwide. It was chosen for me. I never, I didn't quit. I was picked out, essentially. I was, I asked to take a step back from my mental health and just do less like attend less meetings and still participate but just do less um and then that triggered uh like I talked about in the other episode like my upline destroying or planting the seed of destruction for my marriage and even after that point like I was still in it and I was like well fine if we're not gonna be together I'll just I'll show him I'm gonna have my own business I'm gonna go eagle I'm gonna go diamond I'm gonna beat him diamond and I, those were my first thoughts was like how I was gonna like break off from our business and build my own business then like realizing like how I hadn't heard from it's six months now I haven't heard from them in six months not one check-in like hey how are you doing how are, are you healing are you okay we miss you like nothing um, except for the one um Amanda that I told you about yeah somewhere along the lines of that I realized like that I had been in a cult, realized how toxic it was. I think around the time that I found your podcast and found the Facebook group again, I was like, wow, no, this shit is diseased and I do not want to be a part of it. But yeah, Amanda, she we had stayed in touch throughout most of it. She was a, a big emotional support to me early on. And like she, I really valued her friendship throughout all of it. But I recently had to send a breakup text to her. Like I had to end our friendship and that, that sucked that I was angry. I was even angrier worldwide because like, it's just, it destroys lives. It, it sucks breaking up with someone that you like 
who hasn't abused you simply because they're still affiliated with and associated with and friends with your abuser or abusers. They're still brainwashed. They're still like, I don't want to be reminded of those people. I don't want to be reminded of the association. I know how you spend the majority of your, your time. And like, I just don't like, you're still supporting and, and, and coaching and mentoring and hanging out with my ex who abused me emotionally. And like, I just can't like, she's, she's a, great person and I do hope that one day she leaves that she and her family leave but I can't be around that like I need to for my healing journey to go back to that like I can't have like be in close proximity to that so yeah it just sucked like ending a friendship that I wanted to keep in my life forever like I considered her a best friend and she was a bridesmaid for the wedding that I that we were supposed to have a couple weeks ago yeah it just it it really blows yeah I see why you did it I really do because you're right they are still brainwashed and Mm -hmm. I think you did the right thing to heal and be away from that because staying tied to something like that is already really rough but it sucks because like you found one good person and like an organization of like really bad apples and it's like I can imagine how hard it must have been to want to tell them like please leave like this is not good for you like this is horrible like you and your husband just we both know how that goes right you kind of you can't and then you kind of start to look at does it become a superficial friendship at that point like is that kind of how the way that it has to go because they're still in worldwide and we're talking about that too was reconnecting with old up or old cross line same thing It's very superficial conversations. They are still brainwashed. They are still listening to those people in their ear. And there is no, at least for me, I'm like, there is no genuine in that until they can leave. So I'm so sorry that you had to break up with your friend. Thank you. Yeah, and I totally agreed on that. It was like, I contemplated it a lot before I actually sent the text. Um, It's like, can we just be friends and just like not get into the deep stuff and whatnot? And I'm like, no, like our our friendship was very deep and vulnerable. We talked about real shit like for years and I don't have the capacity to entertain like shallow surface level friendships. I don't need acquaintances where we're just talking about the weather and like aliens and stuff. Like as fun as that can be, like I need a friendship of substance. I don't like, especially during this new chapter of my life, it just wouldn't make sense for me to have to keep someone around just to like have like coffee dates about nothing, you know? Um, yeah. I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and also feeling like I couldn't trust her because anything I would say to her about, even if it was just like, I would think of innocent life update, like, Oh yeah, I moved. Here's my new place. Come over, have a glass of wine. Like it would get back to the other upline and like, I don't know what they are trying, willing to, or hoping to know about me against me think negatively of me use me as a a story of failure to discourage other people from leaving um to tarnish my name like i just i don't want them to know shit about um except for i hope they do find this podcast or these pod yeah your podcasts and they i hope they hear my episodes but as far as like where i live um what i'm doing i just don't i don't need them to know yeah and yeah just i don't think she gets how toxic because she's brainwashed so i don't think she gets how toxic they are so she would just like probably casually innocently t- say like oh yeah i went to non-views and she's doing great and blah 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 possibly endanger me in some way yeah and it opens a whole new can of worms too that's just like that you've worked so hard to like either not open or keep closed and you're right it's ugh 
because when you're up, when you start to think about like, what is this person going to tell my upline? Because it's, it's, I mean, it's bad enough that, you know, you're talking, you're thinking about like the fact that your ex is all entangled into all of this. That makes it so much more complicated. But just, mm. just getting back to your up, I think about that stuff too. I mean, then again, with this girl, I, she can go tell her upline. They already know. If they want to know, they can come, they can come listen to the, the podcast. I'm not going to entertain their bullshit, but you know, it, it really does. You're right. And I think that when you said accidentally put you in danger, I think that that is um, good intuition on your end to really yeah. consider that. I bet that's new. Like when you're in worldwide and you, you almost push aside your intuition, what is it like now for you getting to really listen to your, your instincts and your inner self and follow through with what maybe feels good or like, no, that's bad. I'm still learning like how to like be at peace. Like people are like, look, you're in your own space. You can just like, like the therapist is like, take up space, take up space, be in your, your space. And my friends like sing blast the music and I'm like okay yes that all sounds great and yes I'm doing that I'm learning how to take up space but I'm I have so much trauma to unlearn just from being in that marriage from being in um, worldwide being able to relax relax on a weekend and sleep in and scroll Instagram and not feel guilt and shame about that I still find myself and I've only been in the new apartment for about two weeks but I still um tense up when I'm like oh he's gonna walk through the door any minute now and bring his like horrible energy with him and just ruin my peace or like I catch myself like recoiling I have I have a, a wonderful bed now I invested in a nice mattress after sleeping on trash for um years um, yeah delayed gratification why get a nice mattress when you can get it when you're in a fat room like that that type of stuff meanwhile my back has been screaming for years anyway tangent um yeah I got myself a nice bed and I catch myself even with all the space recoiling and like and squishing myself onto one side or into a corner because I'm like afraid of like accidentally brushing my leg against or brushing my foot against his leg or like um, rolling onto his side of the bed or you know turning down the volume of my phone when I'm listening to an audio book because he's gonna be like you turn that down like just thinking he's gonna walk through the door he's he's still disrupting my peace even though he's not physically here and I have to unlearn all of that it's like muscle memory yeah I feel like a college student when they get out of their parents house and they go crazy um <laughs> for the first like couple of months or years and stuff because they're they get to make their own decisions and have autonomy and way less restrictions um, it's kind of like that for me, just trying to find the balance of being healthy and responsible, but also having been so controlled for so long that I'm like, no, just do it. Just buy the thing. Just eat the thing. Just drink. Like, you know, just I'm trying to like, I'm trying to find where the boundaries that I'm aware of are, are making sure that they're mine and that it's like something that I absolutely need to be healthy. Like my restrictions that I have in place are because I feel like I need them or if they are residual control from someone else. Yeah, but that's true. And I thank you so much for being vulnerable with that because it is important to, to say that because it's true. There's so many different things that come with healing, let alone from a damn cold dude like it's weird to say that because like I imagine that you feel the same way we're we're the same age so like I can imagine at no point before this ever happened did you think that you would say the words I'm having to heal from a fucking cult it's so wild it is there's just so much that happens in the cult that causes all of these things to happen and I know that you have more stories that you kind of wanted to go into I think I have a lot of beef with my 
a blind Ruby Larry just for like promoting a lie about his like who he is and pretending to be my friend for so long and I really opened up to him about a lot of deep stuff um, more than I like I talked to him about a lot of stuff that I just do not talk to guys about like at all because I trusted him and he just like I don't know he just lacked a lot of self-awareness and um I felt like could be very he could take advantage of people and it, it just sucked like there he used to live in um up in like Seattle um Tacoma area where the main hub of worldwide is and big crown guy and all of those people are he lives in Texas now after his mom passed away he moved down to be with his dad and sister and stuff and he we were at a um FED in Vegas it was always fun because after the pandemic ended so everybody came to that one which was not normal because usually the um the Seattle people would have their FED up there so we would only see our cross-line cousins at family reunion but everybody came to Vegas and it was a huge um FED and it was like a reunion kind of because we had been on lockdown for so long some of our cross-line from up there were like expressing frustration to me low-key after the Sunday night events. So we'd have Sunday portion of the function. Then we'd have an Eagle panel somewhere. And then after that, we'd like hang out at a casino or something just to like get quality time in with upline and like you could safely cross line because your upline was present. So he organized this hang at a hookah bar restaurant, which isn't very worldwide at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking um, like, I'm trying to imagine worldwide dream builders in a hookah lounge. Like... Right. That's and fun. it's like all of us aren't like stuffy and conservative and stuff. So like a lot of us would go, I'm not, I don't, a lot of us would go on our own outside of a worldwide event. Like that's the place where like people would hang out, but it's just like as a worldwide group. No, that's, that was interesting. But he's, he spent the whole weekend, like having my cross line drive him around. So like the expectation was when you fly into town to show the plan for somebody, then like, yeah, they pick you up or they offer to pick you up from the airport or um, they make sure you're fed or like they offer you to stay if they can or something like that. And I think he interpreted that as like, we are, we are always indebted to him to always like serve him constantly. So, you know, it's a couple, they rented a car for like the duration of the trip. And like, they basically had to be his chauffeur the whole weekend. And it's like, they're leaving late. They have to wait for him, drop him off at his hotel at like, he wants to go eat late. They want to go to their hotel and sleep and stuff. And it was just like, wow, we really didn't like plan to do this. And they shouldn't have to because everyone's traveling to this function. You're not like your your upline's not traveling to show the plan for you. We're all going to a function. So why are you responsible for like carting someone else around? So not Yeah. Um, what the hell? Yeah. So she expre- expressed like in a jokey way, like frustration because he was like contemplating moving to LA at that point. He was still living up North and he was like, oh yeah, I'm going to move to LA within the next year. And she's like, oh, it's, it's your turn now. You guys enjoy. Um, and I can only imagine like the type of crap they had to deal with, with him living like close to them. And then also I uh, found out after the fact, after this weekend, because it was kind of chaotic. There was like 30 people from his group, like our group at that hoopa bar. And me and my ex got there late because we were tired. I was like, I'm not, I'm not smoking hookah. I'm not drinking. I just want to stop in and say hi and see everybody and then go to the hotel and go to bed. So we just got water, just kind of sat for a little bit and chatted. Come to find out because I got a, a reach out from an upline in between or no, his upline, actually his personal sponsors, like called either called or texted me to try to get to the bottom of it. It, it became a huge key. I asked the same girl who's telling me about 
being his chauffeur, had asked her to put the reservation for the tables on her card. So she's got, you know, tables for 30 people and their orders, putting it all on her card and trying to like organize people knowing her and stuff, which is the epitome of crosslining, should not happen at all. Meanwhile, you're the rich upline Ruby, right? Why, why are these table reservations on your downlines card and not yours? Like it was just, it was chaotic. And like, it was a whole thing, like trying to get her like the money back the people ordered stuff and didn't pay what they should have like contributed and stuff like that. And it was, it was messy. And I think he got in trouble for that, but that's the type of stuff that he would just like lacking in, in self-awareness. He also used to use, speaking of DB, he used to use this anecdote I forgot what portion of the plan he was trying to relate to, or maybe it was a teaching about choosing your circumstances and stuff, but he would try to use the metaphor of a woman in an abusive relationship with her boyfriend. He's hitting her. She chooses to stay. And that's the life that she chooses for herself. And I called him out on that because I was like, that is so incredibly offensive. Like I sent a Kate up and I was like, look, he like not, he not use that analogy anymore. That doesn't make any sense. That's so offensive. And we're trying to be inclusive to people. If I bring a guest in who's going through that or who has been through that and she hears that she's out and I have no like stand on like that's that's fucked that's toxic oh wow okay there's so much Larry you're a fucking idiot Larry like I actually I don't even know you and I fucking hate you just because you said some stupid shit like that like nothing pisses me off more I mean there's a lot that pissed me off but nothing pisses me off more than one when men think that they can speak to a woman's situation I mean hey first of all you're using a woman you're making us feel like we're inferior for some reason and yes I know statistically speaking women go through DV more okay so we get that but not just that he is so fucking uneducated as to how this whole thing works I think that you are absolutely right to call him out like good for you I'm so proud of you because that's some bullshit none of us choose to stay we don't choose right you you you're the frog yeah you're brainwashed you're scared your life is so wrapped up into it I mean a lot of the times there's financial part parts like it's scary to leave as a woman who maybe like this person has a financial hold over you or maybe like you don't have support from your family or there's just so fucking much so Larry fuck you just from me personally <laughs> from me to you buddy wow I'm so sorry. yeah I have years and years of stuff that irked me about him but I always have to stuff it down because you know nobody's perfect blah 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 uh, meanwhile he's single he's in his 40s single never been married and this is who my partner was taking advice from including relationship advice um and i'm like so you preach about talking to people with fruit on the tree but you're listening to him about relationships like during the end he like the night that we had our last argument and he went out and came back at four in the morning and i know he was hanging out with him and he came back the next morning was like i think we should separate i was like so what what happened you spoke with larry and like what what is i know that you talked about this he's like well yeah of course i talked to my upline about this i'm like well what did he say and he's like well i mean that's my business but you know he was, he was just saying some of the things that he wouldn't tolerate and i'm like oh oh what single larry wouldn't tolerate meanwhile no woman is tolerating him at all like you're that's who you're getting your your advice and your wisdom from that's that's smart love that for us and then um but he of course you you know can't see the logic and the fallacies of that the very day no no not the next day the same day that my ex initiated a separation which was i was just in shock like i was numb i was i couldn't even begin to process i was 
in pain. There was the end of month conference call that was on the last Sunday of every month. And there was supposed to be like the Eagle panel or whatever. And I think we both were like, just numb and like, uh, my ex normally would be on like sitting up back straight, zoom camera on. He's like, I don't really want to plug in today. And he kept the camera off and, um, we just plugged in that way, kind of off camera. Cause I still wasn't like, oh, I'm done with the business quite yet. There was a point in the conference call where Larry was hinting at our situation and making jokes about it. Like this is fresh. This is less than like 24 hours of this happening. That hasn't checked on me. Hasn't like nothing. He's like, yeah, you know, all in, like using the all in teachings. Like, you know, I was speaking to someone in my business, you know, the other night and he he's had an argument with his, with his uh, partner. You know, she, she says that she's all in, but it's like, well, if you're not, you know, not doing this, not doing that, then uh, like you're, you're not all in sweetie. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking about the argument that I had with my ex about how, if I'm struggling with my health and emotionally, and I'm still crawling to go forward and be committed to this business that we agreed to do. Like we, we talk about, we teach all the time about how uh, giving your best looks different each day. Sometimes you can run, sometimes you can crawl, sometimes all you can do yeah, all you can do is crawl, but as long as you're moving forward, then that's all in. And that was my understanding of all in. Then it was like, well, I can't give as much as I used to, or I can't give as much right now. And all of a sudden I'm not all in because I need different things. I need more support. And then like, that was already hurtful enough, but then to hear it be made, be turned into a joke for entertainment purposes on a call immediately after, not months after, like the day that I, my marriage ended. It was just like, wow, wow. These are the people that I valued over everyone else. Great. Wow. Well, and even yeah. too, like, cause, uh, was Larry's upline Bernard and mm -hmm. Sharon? Well, I mean, Bernard was single too, as well. And it's like, what were they getting their, their advice from? I forgot what they called them. The, the bald guy and his wife, the Ben Emerald for fucking 20 years, almost, you know, like that's the upline Emerald that we shared. Like that had to have been like where some of that was coming from. But I feel like a lot of it, they were just winging before they themselves were in some sort of relationship. Where was, where the fuck did Larry think that he had any sort of expertise if you will to give advice like and and also to say well I wouldn't tolerate that it's like motherfucker no one not, like you said no one wants to tolerate you which I love that by the way that was good <laughs> but it's true like the advice that they're giving is horrible and they're getting it not just from their own upline from these fucking books that they're pushing from a motherfucker oh. like Paul Sika like pardon my language I'm I'm mad but it's from, like from what, damn from my research it's sounding like and i'm not you know i'm not gonna allegedly 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 he's kind of a pedophile and definitely a cheater yeah it's wild to me like it's repulsive that this is the like ugh, i hate larry so much i've never met this dude like he's bad he's all bad but it this is worldwide you guys this is not again this is not just larry who's Anything like this yeah so this guy who like really trained us to be so like pretty much worship the ground you walked on like you servant leadership and serve on your upline they do so much for you and stuff and like you know I don't have to fly down here once a month oh I'm like yes you do if you didn't come down here show the plan you'd have no business 
Like true. That you're not doing us a favor. This is what a what you agreed to do when we were going through the process, and you talked about the partnership and what it looks like. So this is the agreement from the get go. B, if you stopped sewing into these legs, you would have no legs. So that was just ridiculous. And then like also the like, oh, I wish you guys could be on the beaches of the world with me. Like you know, I I don't have to go to work. I don't set an alarm clock. I can do whatever I want. Blah blah blah. But you're you don't do anything interesting. Like I think the biggest trip he's taken in the last five years is to Miami like bruh it's nonsense it's just such a sham ego like I've never seen such an inflate well no my ex has about the same level of ego as him but they the two biggest headed ego pricks I know are the ones that constantly preach to other people and try to teach on the ego and ego death and all that stuff the ego so big on Larry that he started a series called self-development Sunday so not as if we didn't have enough meetings to plug into and Sundays are the end of the week people need to rest they need to prep for work school and stuff the next day it's just time to like check just to be peaceful we already have the conference calls once a month to do on Sundays which is already annoying enough but then like to add something else where it's like anything your upline puts on may not be mandatory but you know that like you want to go far in the business any opportunity you have to plug into them is where you should be so if you have nothing better to do, then you should be at self-development Sunday. Like, this isn't a part of core. This isn't a business training. Like, great. One more thing. Um, and of course, he, he had no boundaries of, like, time. It's like if a, if a conference call, if the end of month conference call is supposed to be an hour, it would always go, like, an hour and a half to two hours. Then you have the Eagles call after the conference call, and it's like, it should only be, like, a quick 20 to 30 minute check-in and, and brush up on privileged knowledge, which is stupid in, it, in its own sense. But, you know, here we are going to like eight and 9 PM on a Sunday night. So there goes your dinner hour. There goes you getting like rest for work. There goes spending quality time with your family. He just had no boundaries, like no respect for other people. Cause that we were his social life. He had nothing else going on. He had no woman. Cause I guarantee if you're dating someone, he would check those meetings real quick to get to her. Yeah, so he started Self-Development Sunday, which was him spewing and teaching all of the knowledge he'd acquired over the course of whatever, as he was a big self-development junkie and read so many books and studied so much meditation and watched all the YouTube videos and stuff, and he felt like he was qualified to teach on it. And it became a thing, and people were raving about it. He started passing out more Kate's on reflections of self-development Sunday than like actual cates of business shit. And it was just him like basically teaching his own opinions, nothing certified, nothing like his own opinions as people in worldwide tend to do. Just talk and act like you're an expert on something because you have the mic. Yes, Uh, exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) I don't know why this just clicked in my head, but you're right. That literally is worldwide. These Mm -hmm. people are all just speaking. It's like a big game of telephone. Something Mm -hmm. comes down from the big crown guy and and leadership team or whatever. And it's other people just bullshitting. You're Mm -hmm. right. Because I I bet you Larry, his domestic violence fucking analogy, nobody told him to say that. That just came out of his own fucking head. But I guarantee he probably heard it from somebody else too. Like I could see like the club owner saying some stupid shit like that. You're right. There's no one to check any of this stuff. It's just like anyone can get up there and say whatever because they have a platform and it's very, very problematic. Like 
Well, I used, I got so frustrated because my ex was an Eagle. So he got to do trainings for our teams and stuff. And that was unchecked, of course. So I tried to check him and be like, you can't just say that stuff. Also, if this is our business, you can't like what we're saying and teaching our downline, like it, we need to be in agreement because you're speaking for our business. So the stuff you post, the stuff that you teach them, like you can't just say what you want to say. And so the one thing I used to get pissed about, pissed, yeah, at him about was edifying the Kardashians and saying that Kylie Jenner, it was a self-made billionaire and using her as an example of goals and financial success. And I'm like, are you out of your goddamn mind? Are, let's let's back up and just look at how the Kardashians even became relevant. First of all, they started with money. Second of all, their mother exploited a sex tape of her daughter to make them rich and famous. They none of them have talent. They just have a good madam on their team. Their mom, she like she exploits them. Like they have lawsuit after lawsuit of countless times that they have exploited artists and designers of color, stolen their work, and then made bank off of it. And, and just exploited and appropriated and, and theft. Um, they already had, it's like, you, you don't get, you're not self-made if you go from a millionaire to a billionaire. So stop using her because I have no respect for that family. And that is just oh, yeah. not what I want to promote. And he's like, well, you don't have to agree with it, but I agree with it because, you know, so a lot of rich kids, they just like, they take the money that they have and they just ruin it, they destroy it or they waste it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, use any of the other countless actual self-made people examples that are out there versus the freaking Kardashians. Like, oh my God, I, I would get furious when you'd use that in like a meeting. That's so funny. And and everything you say is so true. I cannot stand that family. I mean, like they, like you said, they're made of money first. I mean, they're mm-hmm. the dad, the original dad. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? The, the OG Kardashian. He was yeah. a big attorney. I mean, he mm-hmm. represented the and was OG. part of OJ Simpson's uh, attorney team and yep. that's a huge reason why they had so much money but you're right those thick as kids they were exploited especially mm-hmm. like because like when they started to become relevant like Kendall and Kylie were still kids they mm-hmm. were being heavily exploited as children and oh girl I agree with you because I cannot stand child exploitation like I have a mm-hmm. whole full spiel on child exploitation but you're right they steal a lot from from other creators and there's so many like you said other people who they could draw inspire who like um you guys could draw inspiration from to talk about self-made I, and they would also say t- they would um does they ever use uh ray Kroc as an example because yeah. that's a bad dude this guy stole mcdonald's from the McDonald's brothers to the point where they couldn't even use the fucking name anymore. That's not a guy I want to take after. He stole a business and franchised it. That's what he did. He did not do something that was worth like mentioning. Or they mentioned Gary V, who I used to think was pretty cool until the guy was doing crypto schemes. Like he's a scam artist, in my opinion, allegedly. Like it's just crazy to me that 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 was the analogy that you use. Cause I'm sure you probably had like three or four people like, no, this person's better. This person like any of these people 10 times better than this family that's wild seriously so yeah but just to like bring it back to my point of anyone can get on a zoom call or in front of the whiteboard and just say shit like it it doesn't have to be backed up in facts statistics evidence personal experience anything they can just talk and if you're in a trance if you're brainwashed then it's like whatever they say is truth and fact and um it's it's very very problematic but um larry 
with self-development Sundays, he coined the term. Um, he was at the point where he was trying to get approval from his upline to start charging for it, to charging the downline to be a part of these calls where he was basically regurgitating his opinion tied into some like some teaching of self-development and spiritual healing and stuff. Um, he wanted to make a separate business out of this. And I'm like, wait, so these, these calls are an optional opportunity to get around your upline and pick their brain. The whole point of paying the worldwide membership fee monthly is because you have a whole slew of people with different backgrounds and industry experience and knowledge that you get access to for free without having to pay an expert fee um, to get their insight. And then here you are. So you're supposed to be sharing advice with us, passing it down on Kate and in trainings for free because you want to see us grow and you're our friend. And you're trying to turn this into a scheme to make us pay like an exclusive group to be a part of this. Like it was, it was crazy. I don't think it ever got approved. I don't know what's happened since I left, but I don't think that they okayed that. Cause I was like, I'm not paying you to, to hang out with you on a Sunday and hear this shit. Like that was just wild to me. I'm like, if you're going to actually withhold knowledge of like of self-development that you know, and keep that from your team, cause we don't pay you for it. Then that's whatever, bro. Like that was, <laughs> he's crazy. Oh uh, my goodness. So the, yeah. the memberships and all that wasn't paying him enough. So he's not making enough from worldwide. He's got to come over here and continue to exploit people. Exactly. even further financially oh my i hate larry so much <laughs> so much and i used to edify the crap out of him because i was trained to do that but i i, I get it though you know you you were taught for so long that he was this type of way so no judgment yeah. i've been there yeah the thing i think the biggest thing that he did was when he destroyed our business we hit four thousand pp during the pandemic in 2020 um and it was really big because that was when I like I was telling my mom this it's like she was like well you just didn't see like we supported you because that's what you were doing but like you just didn't see that like you know you didn't see what it was for what it was I'm like well why would I mom like I busted my butt I was running as hard as my ex was at this we were making waves like we were the the couple that was used as an example we were like for sure the couple that was going to go like start a platinum run soon like crossing pins we kept leveling up we were on our way to double eagle ship we hit 4,000 pb like all of our cross centers and we were like what the hell are they doing like what how do we get to that level and we're like oh for sure like we went thousand we went 25 we went 4,000 in a pandemic and we like I had no reason to doubt that this works or that like we would be hitting our goals soon so right after we went 4,000 and we broke our first eagle downline as eagles that that was big like you know it's feeling successful in something like that especially when the world is shut down that's like that's some endorphin producing shit larry comes up with this hairbrand idea because he was so desperate to start his emerald run he also had he had he'd already broken a platinum downline and then he had my upline our personal sponsors um adam and amanda they were very close to starting silver because we we were the majority of their pb we were four thousand pins so they were somewhere around six thousand something so they were very close to going silver and then he had another leg up in uh like seattle that was about neck and neck with adam and amanda so he gets us all together and says this is my idea you know you have some like heavy hitters you have the people that are really honored in the partnership 
I think, I believe that we can become an emerald organization before family reunion and um, that I can speak and like, I represent you guys. He's like, let's do this. So he breaks it down and tell, basically advises us to pressure our downline into coming up with more money to spend on PV, calling, categorizing them and like boosting them up and manipulating them to feel like you're either, there were two names. It was like all stars and something else, something like secondary. All stars, we believe in you that you can make, you can run 350 PV or whatever it was. And, and whatever the second one, the second category was, it's like, we believe you can hit like, 250 or 300 people whatever it was it was a stretch and people were already at their like maxing out their budget to hit to run like just to honor the partnership but we like we boosted up their egos and like like um complimented them so much to make them to guilt trip them basically into spending more than they could afford to to put us into 4,000 pv put adam and amanda into silver and uh to get the other leg into silver to get larry into emerald and it happened and it was like wow that really happened we crossed we hit the pin blah 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 he spoke at family reunion and then we all slipped right back out of qualification immediately after and instead of like lingering around where we were which was a healthy like 3500 pb before he did that stunt our business continued to slip like gradually down over the next two years it was like, okay, well, we're not 4,000, but like 37 is fine. It was like 37, 35, 31, 29, 24. Okay, shit. Well, we're not 25s anymore, but at least we'll never be under 1,000. 12,000, 1,900, 800. And then we stayed around like seven, between like six to 800 for like a year. And it never wow. got that. And he never apologized. He never took accountability for it. Turns out he had never counseled with his upline about the idea. They came to us like a year later, like, what's going on with your business? Why aren't you guys, why, why, why isn't it picked up? Like, what's happening? And almost kind of like blamed, like Bernard called Luke on the phone and like kind of questioned him as like almost accusing him and us for our business, like lacking for so long. And Luke still didn't throw Larry under the bus, even though it was on him. There was never any apology or like, damn, that was really stupid. And I fucked up your your numbers because I was selfish that was just like I I definitely held, held some resentment for that but Jack of course was like well you just need to let that go like we can't we have to take accountability for our own, our own business yeah even though we would like vent to each other about our frustrations and rant and like stuff like that behind closed doors whenever we would come to a conversation with our upline Jack yeah whenever we would go in front of our upline if we would like try to relay our like I'd say, all right, let's talk to them about this. Let's get it off our chest. Let's make sure the air is clear. Um, let's have these tough conversations. Um, all of a sudden it would be like, oh no, no, I appreciate it. I'm grateful for what you guys do. I think Nandi had some concerns though. Um, yeah, this, this is more Nandi's. She doesn't speak for me. I'm fine. Uh, Nandi has an issue with stuff though. And then it would look like I was emotionally immature and like couldn't like you know, I was blaming people for my problems and stuff. It really sucked. Always feeling alone, thrown under the bus and abandoned in conversations where I thought we would be a united front. Yeah, that's the type of shit that Larry would do. And then my ex was mimicking him in all aspects of life. Wow. Larry 
I can't say this enough. I've never met Larry. And normally I would be like, eh, I'm judge somebody I don't know, but I don't need to meet Larry to know that he's a shitty person because of all these things. Plus he's a leader in worldwide. Like that says it all. And, and like, I struggle with that where I'm like, oh, like there's still people who are brainwashing the business, but they're still manipulating people. So it's like, where does the accountability start and kind of end, which is so weird, but Larry's an asshole. Nevertheless, Ooh. that is a lot. And yeah. just just between your ex and Larry, those are just two people in your organization who really just that were fucked up. That's a lot. We've been going for an hour. And I'm just thinking about like, we've just gone over these two people. Like, that's so crazy. But it makes sense. And I'm so sorry that you experienced that and didn't have power during that time. Because I mean, to me, you seem like a super powerful person, just like somebody who can, you know, speak your truth. And I'm happy that now you get to do that. Because fuck these people. And thank you again for like, creating this environment for me and other people to share because yeah it, that we are silenced and that right does get taken from us when we leave and all we can do is hope that people inside wonder what happened to us and go looking and finally hear our side of things but unfortunately that's probably not the case because we're taboo we're like the poisoned apple like don't touch them you're gonna get cooties from them so I don't know like you know the cross-lining thing like they're not gonna look for us but I, I do hope that like all of our collective cross lines and uplines and downlines do hear our stories one day and at least hear the truth what they decide to do with that is up to them right all they can do is hear you out like I think that at the very least that's fair to anybody who was out there and who pretended to care about us like we've considered crossline we've talked about that where we've thought about crossline and thinking about like oh how are they doing I want to reach out with that fear of are they still in the business and unfortunately some of them still are we think about them they they don't unless like deep down they might they might be like oh like I remember this person ha 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 but quite literally the next day after somebody leaves, nobody's talking about them again. They come up with some sort of like PR explanation just to make it look good. That's only too if it was somebody who was important. Nobody talks about them. That's it. If you were somebody who was downline from somebody else, right? And let's say you didn't have a partner, you didn't really grow any sort of downline and you left, that was it. Nobody had a conversation about it beyond that. And that's bullshit because you are a person and you matter. Part of it is a, they keep you from like being in each other's business. Another part of it is like, you go through so many freaking people, like you forget. It's like you eventually do just become a number. Yeah. And then part of it is like, don't ask, it's none of your business. Yeah. That very much like, I hate to use this term, but it very much is that don't ask, don't tell kind of situation <laughs> where if you're asked about it, like your upline will just kind of give you some generic answer, basically saying it's none of your fucking business nicely. <laughs> But you almost have that fear of like, you don't want to ask, like you want to, but you don't want to, because you don't want to be that person who just seems like they want to gossip when nine times out of 10, we're not here to like, we don't want to gossip. We genuinely want to know because yeah. we cared about these people. You know, these yeah. are people we saw so fucking often. I swear to God, I was yeah. cheered, cheered them on. You screamed yourself hoarse when they crossed stage, you saw them all the time you saw them more than your own friends and family some often like and then all of a sudden they're just gone and it's like you're not even allowed to ask you're not allowed to reach out to them and check on them yeah wow well I really am excited that you came back because 
I love everything that you have to say and you are welcome back literally anytime because I guarantee we didn't even scratch the surface with all these little notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like scrolling through it now. I'm like, oh, nope, didn't say that. Uh, that. <laughs> hey, I'm saying you're more than welcome. We can touch anytime, anytime you want to speak, this platform is all you. Like yeah. I- I hate the fact that, like you said, like that we were suppressed for so long. And I think that too is why I felt it was so important to, towards the beginning, talk about the narcissism aspect, especially like you said, Nandi, you're, you're a survivor of narcissistic abuse. Nobody can take that from you. No one has a right to take that from you. Those are your thoughts, opinions, and feelings. And that's valid. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like I have to heal from all of that. And like, I'm not getting an apology from him or them. So why should I apologize for telling my side of the story? Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you again so much for your time. I always, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Did you have any last thoughts for the viewers or where they can follow you and how they can support your journey? Yeah, I'm Instagram. I underscore am underscore Nandi. Yeah, I just encourage people to live their truth. I know it can feel like you're alone when you're um when you're healing from something traumatic like an abusive relationship or um an abusive lifestyle like being in a cult like worldwide group yeah just just find those communities and like be a support like when you get to a place in your healing that you can reach back and help the next person up and like grab their hand like do it like that's such a huge drive for me is to be able to be what I needed during the worst parts of this during the most painful scariest parts of this trauma is like not feeling alone and like having more resources and like I just I want to create that for the next person um sadly there will be a lot of next people um <laughs> and it's it's bittersweet but yeah I just I want to be that community for them so um if you're going through anything like this happy to chat and I know Danny is great at chatting and listening and validating so yeah find your people and we are here for you. Yes. Absolutely. We are. We are. Oh. And I, I always say this, like ex worldwide people are going to be your biggest supporters. Like mm -hmm. if you have like a small business or if you have like something, anything, we are definitely going to be your biggest supporters because we know what it's like to have that false sense of security, that false support. So that's what we're here for. And again, I appreciate your kind words so much, but it's you guys who are telling your stories that really mean absolutely the most to me. I cannot speak enough to how much it really means to me. Um, so if you guys want to be like Nandi and share your story, please DM me on Instagram at xsnt.podcast. You guys can find me on TikTok at the same handle. Find me on Spotify and everywhere else that podcasts are heard. We will catch you guys in the next episode.